Welcome back, folks, to Black Hoodie Alchemy. I'm your host, as always, Anthony Tyler. As usually always, uh, except for when we had Tippy Patson in the studio for episode 14. That was fun. If you haven't heard that, go check it out. I'm not really going to explain it. You just got to just gotta listen for yourself on that one. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about God a little bit today. No proselytizing. It's going to be more philosophizing. But before I get into that, I just wanted to say a quick shout out. Um, thank you to you listeners. Tip of the hat to you out there. Uh, I've been doing this long enough now to have firmly established a listener base. You know, I'm not breaking records. I'm not even signing any deals right now, aside from uh, the one I got on the Fringe FM. And um, it's cool to see people returning. That's awesome. And I just want to say thank you, you know. Uh, This is going to be a continuous thing, a continuous effort, and I'm not really an eminent scholar in anything, you know. So this isn't... This isn't something, this isn't school, man. This is just people sitting around, smoking what you want to smoke, drinking what you want to drink, and loosening up, and just having some crazy conversations. You know, more than a schoolroom, this is kind of like a night at the bar. Because I met a lot of people in my life that will enjoy these kinds of conversations, but there's not really a place for it, you know, carved out in everyday life. That's why people go to church or go to meditation groups. But there's something about being a little inebriated that will put you in a state that is, dare I say, mystical at times. Especially if you work on it and you're aiming for that. You know, there's different spiritual beliefs that actually will talk about consuming alcohol um, while thinking about a, a big decision. And these are more like folk magic type beliefs and i honestly can't remember where it comes from so i didn't expect to bring it up but you could look it up you know spirits and like that's that's where our name for it comes from and there's you know we know about the the mystery rites and the the likelihood of the psychedelics and um there's something to be said for loosening the girdle on your mundane consciousness just enough to kind of peek around the corner have a different vantage point without getting obliterated And that's one of the reasons I like cannabis. Get a little loose, you know, even if you're a straight edge, that's cool. (laughs) No judgment. Get a little loose, though. And uh, let's get a little heady with this episode here. And I guess before going on, um, I wanted to, you know, uh, thanks again to my great guests that I've had on lately. And um, recently I have been a guest on the shows, uh, The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable and Natural Born Alchemist with my buddy Alex. So if you haven't heard those, you can go check those out. I will be doing more guest spots at some point, but it's been a great deal of legwork getting this show, Black Hoodie Alchemy, cemented. So, but that is on track. So I'll be doing those guest spots more and more as time goes on. A shout out to um, all the great artists that I've been able to bump on this show, my friend Adam included. You know, um, Epidemic, made up of uh, Hex One and Technician, you know, D-Rev, Yumong, uh, Babylon Warchild. These are some great, great independent rappers, uh, you know, and Adam being metal, that's great too. But this show definitely has a little bit of a boom bap focus and... You know, all these people that I play, I actually enjoy listening to. It's not just, I was desperate for music for. So I I really love being able to play some of this stuff on the show. And, you know, in terms of house cleaning a little bit, this is the first time that we've had a little bit of a one-on-one conversation here, listener, um, without a guest around. Just wanted to say, man, firstly, um, if anyone is just uh, feeling the music conversation from last week, uh, it's not metal, but the album I've been listening to a lot lately is Otherness by Alexis on Fire. Older band. I remember them coming out in high school when I was in high school. Uh, very post-hardcore, just like screaming with some maybe some breakdowns a little bit in there and some sweeping choruses. You know, something that you would find at Hot Topic. Hey, they were kids making that music too. Now grown-ass adults, and it's been... The better part of a decade since they've released a record. Um, it's fantastic. If you like any sort of hard music, 
go check it out. Um, it's not. I don't know if Adam from last episode he would probably want it to be a little harder. Uh, but if you're listening, um, Stephen and Hunter, you guys should definitely check it out. Definitely, uh, it's a little bit of hardcore mixed with a lot of stoner rock and some blues and a little bit of like shoegaze dashed in there. Uh, Alexis on fire. I'm dropping a gem on you guys. You know, if you don't like the music at all, like the the type of music, and that's one thing. But if you like any sort of heavy music, I'm dropping a gem on you. So go and take a listen. Go through that album. Even if you don't like all those songs, you're gonna find some songs that blow your mind. Uh, Conditional love, dark night of the soul. World stops turning. It, it, yeah, it's some good stuff. I've been uh, a blue spade. I've been thoroughly enjoying it. So, yeah. And last thing, I brought up um, with my buddy Joe Roop, we briefly mentioned Jordan Peterson. And Joe Roop was actually on a Tinfoil Hat with Sam Tripoli recently, talking about hermeticism. So, you, you can go check that out if you like. I'll I'll definitely be having Joe back on the show here before too long uh, to talk about principles of magic a little more and things like that. But we brought up Jordan Peterson, and I wanted to just elaborate on that a little more because he is a complex uh, and controversial character. And that's kind of my main beef with him is just it's unnecessarily controversial. Uh, and what I mean by that is if you look at his just his psychological research, his research into Jungian psychology and um, behavioral psychology and evolutionary psychology, uh, I think you find a lot of useful food for thought. You know, it's things that I don't think anyone could go wrong with, even if you maybe don't agree with it. Um, it's highly researched, and this is the field that he, you know, has spent his life dedicated to, for the most part. He's also done some other stuff, but, um, and it's unfortunate that we have this whole muddled, tangled slinky of, you know, binary politics, and, you know, now Peterson has talked about climate change, and it's just, here's the thing is, I don't even disagree with him on a whole lot um and some of the things i just don't have like i you know clearly there's some sort of climate change going on and is some of that part of the natural cycle of the earth possibly but i don't know one way or the other all i know is that we should definitely be uh making better efforts to keep the world around us cleaner regardless so that's just kind of what i stick with there um but, you know, Peterson's never been a bigot. Even if you consider him a crotchety, douchey old man, um, he's never actually tried to minimize or marginalize people and their lifestyles. You know, the closest he got was freedom of speech, which some might say was, you know, a step too far. I don't think it was. I think maybe his approach was. I think the principle was not. And, but that... You know, where he's saying that uh, students, uh, teachers at university in Canada shouldn't be forced to use, like under law, to use uh, preferred pronoun, to use preferred pronouns. Um, I get, I think that people should be using preferred pronouns just because why not? You know, why not? Just help somebody out. Just use the word that they want used. But also, I think that that is a step too far to, uh, I mean, I hate to say it because I want people to feel comfortable, but we can't force people to say certain things. That's just a bad precedent. And that's all Peterson was saying. And, you know, he's advocated the idea of the nuclear family, um, which I, which people take as a derision of alternative families. And it's not. I've heard him talk about this before. Um, he says that this is an archetypal thing. I don't know if he goes into enough detail about this, honestly, but the whole Jungian philosophy of the masculine and feminine being embodied in the family unit um, is definitely a thing, but that doesn't mean that it has to be with a man and a woman, necessarily. In fact, there's plenty of examples of people, you know, just because you're masculine or you're a man doesn't mean that you're masculine either. Just because you're a woman doesn't mean you're feminine. So... Anyway, you know, you could, I'm sure people can listen or write in or whatever and say, oh, but Jordan Peterson said this thing and that's crazy. 
yeah, he said some crazy stuff. He's a crazy man. But listen, I look at Jordan Peterson kind of honestly like I look at Kanye West. They're both crazy. And they both maybe go out on limbs that they don't need to go out on sometimes. But they're smart guys. They're very passionate. And they're dedicated to their crafts. So if nothing else, even if Kanye is a crazy, crazy man, uh, he's definitely like a hip-hop god. And Jordan Peterson, even if he's a crazy man, he knows his Jungian philosophy and psychology and evolutionary psychology. Maybe he doesn't know his politics. You know, we could debate that all day. But um, the, the, the Jungian part and the psychoanalytical part is more grounded and more evidenced. You know, it's less of a debate because it's less of a philosophy because uh, it is based on science and data. There's no reason not to uh, consider his opinion, you know, unless you just don't want it. You know, you don't have to forcefully take it. But anyway, so, right? I mean, uh, Kanye said that um, people deserved slavery, you know? Like, that's brutal. I can't believe Kanye said that on... on uh, it, it was definitely recorded. I think it was on television. But, you know, the Jordan Peterson hasn't said anything like that. Okay, so if we can give Kanye some slack, I think we can give old JP some slack. I'm not saying... You got to go to bat for the guy every time. I'm just saying he's not a monster. He seems like a pretty cool dude overall, and I'd buy him a beer. But I don't think that we should all be eating ground beef, like exclusively. Maybe that works for some people. I have my doubts that it works for anybody, though. But, I mean, he seems to be doing it, and he's been doing it for a while. I don't know. The man is an enigma. Definitely fitting for this show, because this show is just all weird and strange and sometimes horrifying, but usually always weird so anyway but i think that's important because it's not totally out of context of this conversation uh because jordan peterson spearheads a lot of philosophical conversation about god these days and here we go we're finally getting into it uh sue me for the long introduction there i recommend to anybody uh going and checking out jordan peterson's uh Old Testament biblical series of lectures. It's really, really on point stuff. Um, and it's open-ended. It's just looking at the philosophy and where the the text, you know, uh, taking it not literally, uh, looking at it from a Jungian approach, an evolutionary approach, and still giving due respect to the spiritual nature of it, I guess you could say. And um, that's not done enough, I think. You know, Peterson's good at that, where where uh, he takes a skeptical but open-minded approach to the spiritual nature of, uh, of these discussions. So, God. We've talked about Satan a bit on these episodes. We've talked about God plenty, too, but I don't think we've truly pinpointed exactly what we're talking about with these things. <clears throat> and I've tried to weed out... I've tried to separate the wheat from the chaff a little bit here by, you know, 14.666 for the, the metal episode and whatnot because I want open-minded people. And if you've listened to me talk at all, you know that um, I don't, I'm not like an advocate for Satanism, uh, just like I'm not an open advocate for Christianity. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to dissuade people from these things, but the thing that I uh, do not like to promote is a narrow-mindedness where we stick with one thing and one thing only. I think it's good to have a backbone of something and then branch out. You know, that's what they say to do with research and career fields and, you know, just feels that you're trying to be an expert in. You know, you, you supplant yourself in one field and then you branch out further because understanding the deepness of one field will help you um, contextualize others. So I, you know, I want people of any philosophy to be able to listen to this show. And the only, you know, stipulation is if you are narrow-minded about this stuff, then, you know, you're not going to find what I have to say. You're not going to find what I have to say all that useful, probably, because I do believe in um, the metaphysical. You know, there is a metaphysical plane of existence um, I don't know what all it is, but we can see 
the limitations of this current field. All you need to do is look into things like quantum physics, and we won't even go down those rabbit holes. There's plenty of science to show that there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. And that's basically what metaphysics is. You can argue the semantics from there, but that's where it starts. And the symbols, like God and the devil, in the west or the east, wherever you find them, they are symbols. And first and foremost, that's the point to get across, is we need to look at all of this stuff like mythology. Just take mythology as, you know, it goes hand in hand with anthropology in this sense of the study of cultures throughout time and their spiritual practice. You know, I don't think that any of these gods existed on a literal level, but I think that as a as some sort of sociological touchstone for humanity at that time, something that allowed them to connect with something greater than them, something that is truly um, quantifiable in one way or another, but not not practical, that's for sure, um, and ever-changing, you know, especially through the perceptions of the human. I think that these things do exist, you know, but it's important to look at not just what the beliefs of the people are about these things, but what the beliefs um, help the people attain. You know, what do you get out of believing in reincarnation or simply going to heaven whether you think about it or not they're going to dictate a lot of your decision making at least implicitly and the same thing for god and so i find it interesting the whole debate especially in the west between a good and evil god or maybe just a perfect and imperfect god that's how i tend to look at it the gnostics have this idea that uh, you know the demiurge is yahweh and some take it as far as to say that the Demiurge is actually the devil. And I think it's interesting. I've always been particularly fascinated, among other books, um, Cain and Abel and Job. Because there's this idea of offering and hard work and yields and unattainability. And it's all very, it's all very dense. You know, they're short stories, but they're so dense in terms of people still squabble over what the intentions really were if god is just then how is he making bets with the devil about uh job's livelihood and his family and everything he cares about and how is cain so evil you know you look at the story and i think in most cases especially if you listen to this show you relate to cain more than abel um Abel's just kind of watching the flock. And I've never been a herder. I've never been a good old cowboy or anything of that nature. But um, I think growing plants would probably be a little harder than herding cattle. I mean, as long as you feed them and they're not getting eaten, they're going to be doing all right. But yeah, yeah, it's a little more sophisticated with plants. Even when it's basic, if you're growing crops, it's going to be a different ball game. And one little th thing could offset the entire operation. And, you know, God didn't like Cain's offerings because he didn't have enough humility. And it, here in the West, there seems to be this ill-guided focus of God and ego. And I think it's done a lot of disservice for a long time now. You see, if there's one thing, again, taking this mythologically, we're looking at all of these as psychological blueprints for how people tried to connect with the divine. So none of these are perfect. You know, in fact, all of these are very, very loose, loose cultural interpretations of something more infinite and, you know, unfathomable to the human psyche. But that's not to say they aren't useful and that we can't learn things from them. And the Bible is not hiding it. God is extremely imperfect. And I think it shows that in the book of Job, the I had someone put it to me once that God came Yahweh came across to him while reading it as a schizophrenic. And I, and that always stuck with me because 
you know, I think putting a very literal interpretation on that is going to be minimizing to your perspective. But I think that there's some sort of unhinged truth to that. You know, Yahweh definitely comes across unhinged. He comes across angry and deeply in the midst of a projection process. And that's one thing that Jung points out while analyzing the book of Job is that Yahweh seems to be trying to understand the situation just as much as Job is. And the text doesn't really hide that. It just seems like the church does. So I don't think that makes Yahweh evil. I think that makes him an imperfect mythological character. Just the whole idea that the church has tried to sell for so long that God's this omnipresent embodiment of love is just, that's just not how they made Yahweh. That's not how Yahweh was designed as a symbol. Because Jung talked about the image of God a lot. And that's what I like to focus on. Because the image of God will tell us a lot about whether or not God exists to begin with. And what I mean by that is what I've been elaborating. The image of God is people's takeaway from their belief. It's the, sim it's the literal symbol. It's the image they have in their mind. It's the feeling that they have. The presence. It's that familiarity that comes to your state of being when you think of the word God. So the image of Yahweh is imperfect. Um, it, but that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be respected. I don't think Yahweh is evil. And I don't think that like Lucifer or Satan, as I've said before, different characters as well, mythologically speaking, they were shoehorned together by uh, the Catholic Church. They're not good or evil in this context. Let's take Lucifer out of the equation because right now we're looking at more classically God and the devil. In this case, I still respect Yahweh. You know, he's he's out there trying to figure out the situation. He's an experimenter. And I do think he's got honest intentions. You know, I he's not a an angry kid with a magnifying glass at an anthill. Maybe he is sometimes. And I, I think it's fair to say he is strong shades of that, but I think it shows a progression of character, and especially going into the New Testament. It's like an evolution of God. And in the story of Cain and Abel, it's easy to consider that Cain was just a bad guy waiting to kill his brother, and that God knew it all along, and so just kind of snubbed his nose at him. But that's not very complex. That's not very multifaceted. Um, and it's not very, it doesn't do any justice to Cain. Now, Cain did a very evil thing. You, you know, you are your brother's keeper, especially in that sense. But he was a man driven to the brink because God didn't find him humble enough, uh, didn't, and Cain considered his, his crops and his offering as a work of his own and didn't give God enough credit, it would seem. Which I, I think on some level, I get it. It's it, it, You have to always be doing something for something greater than yourself. You know, you can't just always have yourself in mind. And I think that that's the glass half full uh, takeaway. But also, it does seem a bit you know, you gotta worship me a certain way. You gotta say these certain things. It all seems so, so shallow. And I'm not a moral relativist either. I do think that there is a level of good and evil, and we'll get into that a little more here soon. But rather than God and the devil representing good and evil, I think it's much more accurate to consider God as order. And the devil is chaos. And God and the devil have their own sort of inseparable connotations these days anyway. Honestly, it's better to look at it yin and yang. It's the same thing. And Christianity and the Abrahamic religions have just taken it to very, very literal humanized extremes. 
And this is where people get all tripped up. They think that admitting God is imperfect is not respecting God. And they think that some sort of devil's advocate mindset is going to land them in hell. Well, news flash, okay? These are symbols. These are mythological symbols. They're not real. They represent aspects, a, a, a pinpoint aspect of metaphysical principles that we scarcely understand even still. Let's get into good and evil a little more. Because I don't really think, and I do believe the evidence shows, you know, whether you look philosophically or, you know, the breadcrumbs of what we could kind of scrape together scientifically about this. Because again, we can't really measure metaphysics scientifically in and of itself. But what we can do is measure our beliefs and reactions to our beliefs. And all that can be very scientific and will actually shed a lot of light on the whole scenario. You know, that's kind of what Jung based his whole career on. So looking at the psychology and people's beliefs and the symbols that they have developed throughout, you know, humanity, it doesn't really seem that there is a metaphysical good and evil to me. I think that the, uh, the metaphysical realm, however illustrious it is or isn't is something a lot more like the animal kingdom it just is and it feeds off of recycled material you know it recycles material wherever there is energy to be used it will be used by something and depending on the context that you're in in that situation that energy being used could be good or bad and i think that um there's you know, context worth considering here. Not everything is interchangeable. There are such things as archetypes and, you know, well-tread paths in the human psyche. But there's a lot of room for interpretation, person to person even. So I think it's worth considering that if there is such a thing as a demonic presence, it might just be that they're the lion and we're the antelope. It might not be anything evil. And in fact, what it does to us as a byproduct might be the only evil part. Because I'm not convinced that if anything is interacting with the human psyche, that it inherently does these things. When you look into the science of something like possession, there is science, but it's not what you would think. It's not like people studying demons. You know, um... You know, there's a lot of psychological transference with the rites of exorcism. So someone has to believe on some level. And they have to sort of accept these terms of conditions that the whole unit is operating under. Even if you don't believe as much as them, you believe in the process. That this is actually something happening. And I think that that agreement is part of what makes something happen. On some level, not always. And yes, you know, there's that's a whole can of worms in and of itself that I've addressed a little bit and will continue to address later with less subject matter at hand. But the whole idea of possession and mental illness is definitely an interesting one and it's a very fine line. But the point is, I think we can see a lot of the humanness in something like satanic symbols. And I don't think that God exists in any text. I think that the true, you know, creation or the source of creation, whatever it is, I don't think it's any one of these things represented. I, I do have this sort of Gnostic idea, you know, the term God above God. There's something deeper than everything we've read about. And that is the, you know, the all creator, the, the source of ever-expanding love consciousness, whatever, whatever it is. But it's not Yahweh. It's not Allah. Um, it's not any pantheon of gods. Pick your poison. But it has a little bit. All of those have aspects of God. I think that all of these are highly useful um, to consider. And I'm not even trying to necessarily... 
uh, persuade you in the God above God. You know, th- stick with what works for you and what makes sense to you. I'm just saying it's food for thought. And it makes sense to me to sort of consider everything written about as mythology. Mythology inspired by truth. And I, I don't understand how we can make a direct equivalent between mythological, allegorical truth and literal truth. They're not the same. So if you want to say that Yahweh or anything else is a literal representation, there's just the only the only scientific evidence we have to explain any of these kinds of conversations suggests that that is not the case. That there is a huge difference between our the image of God and what might actually be God. Same thing with the devil. Same thing with all of these things. Same thing with angels and demons. I've always appreciated the idea in Islamic tradition of the genie, or the jinn. Uh, they would encapsulate these things in bottles, and they were sort of an intermediary. Um, not even an intermediary, but I guess in some cases. But they were the middle ground between angels and demons. Um, jinn could be good and do bad things. They could be bad and do good things. They could be self-serving. Um, they were very human in that sense. And Christianity just doesn't really have anything that is similar to that. But most traditions do have those. So I think it's important to consider the gray area. And, you know, in the long run, I know people, it's really touch and go for people. They they have a hard time sometimes not understanding or considering that there might not be some spiritual warfare going on. But I think that this is a really destructive mentality to have. You know, that's one thing that the Buddha is never talking about, is spiritual warfare, just to put it bluntly. And that's something that Christianity is so preoccupied with. The Abrahamic religions, they're so preoccupied with it. It doesn't always have to be, but it usually boils down to that. Because people don't often take their grand metaphysical ideas and bring them down to a practical approach and look at how it's affecting their daily life. But we'll get more into that shortly. It looks like I'm a little late on the break here. So I'm going to leave you for now with some nice beats, a little bit of commercials, and we're going to jump right back into it. This is Black Hoodie Alchemy. I'm Anthony Tyler. We'll be right back. The dilemma is distractions and kids with pseudo factions. Life is measured by these microsecond interactions. And all of it's morality, cause idiocy sells. But now when everybody's fake, this where legitimacy fails. You see, this plan is full of bosses. I maintain my juice by sticking with my dudes who stay hunting down the truth. Sleuth, goose, smooth, slick, they talk slick a while in street stricken kids spilling crimson while they stand and smiling. I'm 27, feeling old with old gold cooling. Play the block like a ghost, just trying to get my soul moving. I'm distracted. My only solitude is freaking rapping. I'm trying to make a living, it's looking like it'll never happen. I get to dap and map out a route they don't see. Escape reality with two blunts and 40s of OE. Yeah, you know me, I'm that lonely poet wrote it once, but you must have missed the gleam of this not been old enough. Writing rhymes cloaked out, all black is gothic. Edgar Allan Poe tripping hard in his apartment. So where the heart went, dormant, darkened. When the storm had started, he fled the moment, alone to disembark and roam the darkness. So if you know one blessing, if you don't, you surely will. He gimmickless and mimicless, a style designed from purely skill. Keep it rolling, holding poses like he's frozen. The molten flows disintegrate the paper as he wrote it. You're turning up, he's turning off, and soon on out on all fronts. These fakes, phones, and figments develop fabric all at once. While well, I just bounce and stay up in my house, cause I'm distracted. And it's too crazy going out. And I don't understand the vibe they putting out, it's all hate I'd rather stay inside and glide around the shit that y'all make Provide a sound for heartbreak and speak the code and enter If you're trying to find yourself, you'll find it in your center I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma Enter end around with the spirits in the center I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma So enter end around with the spirits in the center I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma So enter end around with the spirits in the center I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma So enter end around with the spirits in the center I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma So enter end around with the spirits in the center I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma So enter end around with the spirits in the center You see the dilemma is 
the monotony of life. I've been looking for the exit, but you probably did this twice. The disease is here, and really y'all don't even care. You're rocking Facebook likes and shares like they piece of flair. <laughs> and yo, it's making me laugh, and so I drink until my legs go like a baby giraffe. Cause like, these fakers find safety in mass. I show up by myself, I guzzle drinks with haste and outlast y'all. I'm timeless. Shining like a crazy diamond till they kick me out the band like Sid Barrett in his prime And it's the rhyme that's driven life and song to the song Cause shit without my son it'd be already gone and my word is born homie Yo I never been a phony it's probably why I booze alone Then talk about being lonely I've got a temper it's a spiritual dilemma So enter in the realm with the spirits in the center What you find is just mad reminders how it's too late Could have kept up with the squad if I could only bought the new skates So pump the brakes with chumps of fake That's where the lame stare Been here after decade and I'm the dude that rocks the same gear Spit godly, hardly see him slip softly in the darkness Cause he still make you smile at Chris Farley All abhorrent, so I keep ignoring all your texts I'm drunk by myself, the next morning's all regrets Cold sweats, hours, showers, shivers from the liver While I'm just trying to deliver a new path like the giver Not bitter, bitter sour, now I'm old enough to see the truth And recognize quick all that hate I see in you And that's the evil truth, a demon proof So will keep you sleeping through this life with no escape from the cold It's all that fake shit, caught up in the wake of all this greatness Looking to my center, trying to find my patience to make it I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma And to end the realm where the spirit's in the center Got a temper, a spiritual dilemma. So when to bend the realm with the spirits in the center. I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma. So when to bend the realm with the spirits in the center. I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma. So when to bend the realm with the spirits in the center. I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma. So when to bend the realm with the spirits in the center. I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma. So when to bend the realm with the spirits in the center. Got a temper, a spiritual dilemma, and to end around with the spirits in the center. I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma, so when to end around with the spirits in the center. I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma, so when to end around with the spirits in the center. I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma, so when to end around with the spirits in the center. I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma, so when to end around with the spirits in the center. I've got a temper, a spiritual dilemma. Listen, as we explore the mysteries of the universe, the unknown, high strangeness, consciousness, and our human potential, Lighting the Void is an eclectic program that strives to ignite the late night with stimulating conversations. Join us on The Fringe FM. Thousands of people are having paranormal experiences with ghosts, demons, shadow people, dogmen, Bigfoot, and more. Their stories need to be told, and they are being told. Dark Waters, the renowned storyteller, invites you to join at imdarkwaters.com. For just a few dollars a month, you can listen to some of the most hair-raising and compelling stories on the planet. You'll have access to real-life stories told by Dark Waters, thousands of hours of content. Their encounters are being told and told by the best at imdarkwaters.com. Listen to stories like The Rabbit Man, The Dog Man Encounter in Silas, Alabama, The Man with No Face, The Other Woman, A Day Ahead of the Devil, Dog Man Murder in Hurricane Ida, even a story of someone trying to kill a dog man. Louisiana Water Demon Stories. Sign up today and become a member at imdarkwaters.com. That's imdarkwaters.com. The Natural Born Alchemist podcast is a podcast that covers topics like alchemy, shamanism, psychedelics, anarchism, and philosophy. Join Alex, that's me, and a multitude of guests on a quest to discover the nature of reality, of spirit, and of consciousness. Each episode will also introduce you to new music that you might never have heard before. You can find the podcast on most platforms. Simply search for Natural Born Alchemist or go directly to naturalbornalchemist.com. There you'll be able to find all the social media links as well. 
Freedom is in the mind. Musicians experience a lot of frustration with music marketing and promotion. They have no idea how to get their music heard. And they're spending hours sending emails, making phone calls, and hitting up their friends to promote them. With our industry-powered digital marketing platform, we can set up your media plan in minutes. Our team will automatically distribute your music across all the best channels, so you can focus on actually making the music. Submit your music today on our website at mymusicpromoter.com. That's mymusicpromoter.com. Welcome back, folks, to Black Hoodie Alchemy. And we're talking about God. Praise Him. And the point I was getting at before the break was a point that's often overlooked in Christianity, especially. The idea that when we feel our most righteous is when we become our most evil. When we stop considering that we might be doing something wrong or have the capacity to do something wrong that is when we become the most evil almost always so it seems to me that the idea of spiritual warfare is in many cases at least the beginning of the slippery slope to the evil part and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't defend yourself that doesn't mean that you shouldn't consider evil deeds out there humans are evil that's what i'm getting at humans are evil not inherently i think it's a it's a warping of the human spirit but there's no other natural origination of evil you know like when it comes to whatever potential supernatural influence i think that like attracts like i think if you are already warped and devious you're going to start looking into the supernatural through that lens and that's what you're going to get if you're looking for a fight you will find it and I think that's something that people miss if you're not looking for a fight there's a good chance that you won't have to fight but you should always be prepared to you know in that martial arts sense be prepared to defend yourself Uh, keep in mind worst case scenarios but don't dwell on them So, if you're still confused and, I don't know, trying to find something out of this, I guess uh, suffice it to say, I could give a fuck about any of your deifications, whether it be God or Satan. They're just tools to me in the the greater work. And um, I think about them a lot, but I don't worry about either of them. And sometimes people think, see, that's, that's the interesting part of this conversation, or one of them, maybe the next interesting part where I'll be going, <laughs> um, is as soon as you start to pick apart the idea of God and maybe consider the imperfectness and maybe consider that the, the devil isn't, firstly, just isn't represented the way the character is portrayed. The source texts don't don't really espouse this whole, you know, it, much of it came from uh, Dante's Divine Comedy and whatnot. Um, it's a, a whole thing. But when you start going down these lines, people think that you're some sort of apologist for the devil. And, and that's a point I would like to drive home is I don't give a fuck about either of them. You know, if you're if you're seriously considering worshiping some sort of Lord, whether it be dark or light, I think uh, it, you need to ground yourself a little more. And I think it's fairly it fairly boilerplate what people are trying to get when they lean either Satanist or Christian or any of those polarities, you know, wherever you find them. But one is order and one is disorder. One is allegiance and one is rebellion. And that's just kind of the uh, mode of operations for both of those mindsets. I see these different outlooks as, you know, blueprints, programs for the way people are best suited to operate with these metaphysical, imaginal concepts. You know, I I think that people that have been constantly oppressed, um, especially by Christianity itself, and 
appreciate the the spirit of rebellion. I could see why they would like Anton LaVey so much. You know, I've said before, I like Anton LaVey. I don't deify him. I don't think he was a good guy. I'd look at him more as like an even shittier version of P.T. Barnum. You know, I don't, like truly, he was like a weird circus freak showman guy that knew it and loved doing it. And also like talking philosophy, but like half of it was philosophy and half of it was circus role play. And so many people don't understand that it's a big joke on purpose. And uh, the fact that people refuse to understand how silly it is in some cases um, is the joke. It's very Andy Kaufman-esque. So I can also see all the good that Christianity has done and the people that take the roots of it and leave the bigotry and outdatedness out of it. Um, it, you know, it helps people recover from trauma, addictions. It helps bring families closer, you know, all sorts of things. But I think as a Christian, you should be able to understand someone's point of view if they're, you know, like an atheistic Satanist. I think it would be a bit weirder. Even I think it's weird if someone's actually worshiping a dark lord out there. They're basically just worshiping the the spiritual embodiment of being a terrible person. And I don't know what good there is in that. Um, and they're just like worshiping like a spoofy horror movie, you know, a, a, a tropey horror movie. And I don't think that's healthy or cool. <laughs> but um, I think you, you, you need to be able to see other people's points of view, even if you don't agree with it. You need to at least see where they're coming from. And that's all I'm saying. I'm saying look at these as blueprints for how people interact with the metaphysical. And gauge your conclusions based on the results. It's also interesting to consider in this conversation the differences between faith and belief. Now, because there's a bit of a looseness with the English language, I think you it's safe to say that these could be used interchangeably, but with the widest uses of the word, there is a, a lot of separation. And, you know, I could, you can have faith in something, but not believe in it, and vice versa. And you can have faith, people use that word um, about God so often, but people have faith in each other all the time in very real things. You know, I could have faith in you and not believe in you. And, in this sense, I think it's safe to say that I have faith in the gods, but I don't believe in them. I have faith that there are true aspects of the cosmos that we'll never understand. I mean, science can even tell us that much. And I have faith that there's something infinitely nurturing in the cosmos at its core. And I have faith that um, we've been able to discern aspects of these principles through, you know, the multiplicity of our metaphysical beliefs and spiritual doctrines throughout history. But I don't believe in any of them. Not literally. So I, I think that those are approaches that people don't often consider enough and you know you know so lastly i think really the only cherry on top that i got to add to this um the 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 last knot untied is we talked a little bit about yields and punishment and god if your yields if if you're not producing yields because processes have gone awry and is that a punishment well, firstly, I think um, the idea that bad things only happen to bad people is extremely nearsighted and certainly not true. But do bad things happen because we haven't conducted processes properly? Well, sometimes. So 
I think it's an important takeaway to consider that we might have to reconsider our approaches to things, but it's certainly not not punishments. And I think that the story of Cain shows this. Again, it wasn't that he didn't have anything to offer God, and it wasn't even that he didn't believe in God. It wasn't that he thought evil wasn't real either. It just seems like he got caught up. And I've thought about this lately. I've thought about this a lot because I've always found it fascinating. But again, lately, it would seem that there was not enough selflessness involved. Cain wasn't doing it for the love of doing it. He was doing it to reap reward and produce yield, even if it was due to him. You know, it's not asking for much. It seems like Cain was just asking for the basics, just to be able to live and prosper and not struggle. And even though he ended up killing his brother, God didn't kill him. God banished him and gave him the opposite of a green thumb so that anything he touches would wither and die. But he also gave him a little bit of a safety net. He said that anyone who harmed Cain, um, Cain would be avenged sevenfold. Yes, that is where that metal name comes from. It's actually from the text. Um, but it was sort of like anyone who would come at Cain would be hit even harder, which is strange. Why would God do that? And I think it's because Yahweh is imperfect. And he's trying to work. It seems like a father struggling to reprimand his children. He doesn't want to do it. And I think he sees that in some way he's played a part in this. So he gives Cain a concession. Because Cain is not an evil man. But, you know, there are consequences to your actions. So God's imperfect. Have some sympathy for the devil. (laughs) And... Um, don't take yourself so seriously. I guess, because, you know, I've been frustrated lately. Everything's been going fine. I can't really complain. But sometimes just due to unforeseen circumstances, fruits of your labor don't quite pan out. And that's always frustrating. But I think if there's any takeaway from something that you worked so hard at not panning out, yeah, I... I think Cain shows us that we do need to just let go a little more. Not just of the material, but of of our time. You know, don't piss it away, but give it a little more willingly to the things that matter the most, I guess. Not the not the act of not the labor of doing something, but the feeling you get out of it. And it is here I will read a quote by Manly P. Hall from The Lost Keys of Freemasonry. Now, I've read this quote before elsewhere. Um, I believe it's in Dive Manual. But it's great, so I'll always bring it up. And here it is. Man is given by nature a gift, and that gift is the privilege of labor. Through labor, he learns all things. And yes, this is antiquated language. You know, it's just written early 20th century, so cut the man some slack. It was definitely not a bigot. It was just the language of the time. Women are included here. And non-binary. We're all included. <laughs> That's not the focus here. Um, so I, hopefully hopefully that gives you some useful food for thought. It's something that I've learned a lot from You know the, the, these lines of thought that I'm sharing with you. and they, And I continue to mull them over. So, one practical takeaway from this episode is, if you want to understand comparative religion and spirituality, you need to understand um, the context that psychology, sociology, and anthropology provide. We need to understand where these symbols came from. What, What spurred them within the culture? How did they use them? Because these things do change. You know, what evolutionary drives did people have? What questions were they trying to answer at their times? And, you know, what are you getting out of your belief in a practical sense? Set aside what your beliefs are. 
and analyze them as, you know, your therapist would. Is your belief in God making you feel like you're always better than everybody? That you're always having to help other people correct their lives? Does your belief in God make you just the worst kind of helicopter person just hovering over everybody else? Because I see that a lot. Um, or does your belief in God make you paranoid? you feel like the world's out to get you? Do you feel like everything is a cosmic prison and that God is a joker laughing at us? I have some friends who have those beliefs as well, and they take it in stride. You know, the, you have to, If I, I will say, if you have that belief, you have to appreciate the humor in things. Um, but I, 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 I don't think that that is exactly a good way to be either. I, I think before you settle into uh, a belief system, you need to approach it from both angles. What it might mean theoretically in the grand scheme and what it definitely for sure means right now. It depends on the person. Some people's belief in reincarnation might make them piss this life away and, and just assume that they'll get a next one. For me, you know, I think that that's the most likely thing, even if maybe it isn't, you know, even if it doesn't happen. I think that that's the most likely thing. And that helps me gauge and contextualize this life more. If anything, I try to get more out of it than less. And so, yeah, I, I definitely believe in a higher power, a higher source, uh, a source of creation. And I believe that in some sense it still guides us to this day, but I don't subscribe to any deifications. And um, I hope if you're continuing to listen to these episodes, you at least agree with me in some sense on that. Even if you're pretty sold in one direction, I'm not trying to dissuade you, I'm just saying consider all the angles with us you know it would be some interesting food for thought you might learn something that's that's the whole thing we're all just trying to loosen up smoke a little bit drink a little bit and learn something we're not going to solve all the answers here let's just walk away i don't know feeling there's something productive about these kinds of conversations it's like even if we're never going to get there we're taking the steps. So salute to all of you out there uh, for taking a few more steps with me. And we'll be back next week. Not sure what I'm going to talk about yet. But like I said at the beginning, I appreciate y'all tuning in. And, you know, we got ourselves a little community here. I don't know what I'm going to call you. <laughs> uh, but there might be a fun name at some point. Who knows? Seriously, though, y'all take care out there. This is Black Hoodie Alchemy. I'm Anthony Tyler. I'll see you next week. Let me tell you what it's Peace. all about. Cops and robbers, stock nine minis, glocks and rockets. Surrounded by city spots, city blocks and projects. The object for silly props is logic. Cause big Willie's clocking profits. Be copying pretty rocks and watches. Live in the midst of intimate problems. Infants are smitten, no scholarships. And the wish for infinite dollars. The link with ballers. To these kids, the mission is lawless. Sinking but never blink. So they think their vision is flawless. All this hell is swelling my dome. It got me prone to these coke sellers. Zealous yoke, cause hell is my home. This hell is my own. Let chrome embellish my bones. And end the bass and jealous fella with the cell is my Zone. I know these options, the only slide is my lonely conscience I blow these toxins for these topics that hold me hostage My optics coldly show me it's lonely contents I'm just another brother that struggles to know these times I'm done, I lost some times I'm falling line with the stars in the dark Through my thoughts and rhymes, then I rise like the sun Full moon controls the tops by the slums Where the flocks who live and die by the guns Flying through this broken sky Going nowhere in a hurry, vision blurry from the coke and lie You're in my mind, I get lost sometimes, but then I find
I'm really trying to yeah. leave it all Yo. behind. It's all about the Benjamins, not the sentiments nowadays. This life can make you demented, depending on how it plays. What? This vital stage has got us vulnerable, primal rage, modern age. Steadily raised the global like tidal waves. Yeah, it's all about the bitches and clubs. Digging your funds, youngest in the crib, neglect to make a living in drugs. Slip through the slums with plots of copper pistols and guns. Dodgy cops are sticking victims up for bristles and crumbs. Now they stuck with double figures in jail, awaiting bail. Sights to plagues, trying to slake if nightly praying they fail. How to trace the might to pick them is frail. Feeling like a minute in the prison system is a swift as a snail. Striving only for respect, fuck success. Trying lonely from distress, depressed. Trying boldly to repress is best. You listen closely for becoming the next head for bread. Dying slowly from regret and your deathbed. Yo, instead, I get lost at times. Falling down with the stars in the dark through my thoughts and rhymes. Then I rise like the sun. Full moon controls the top by the slums. For the flops who live and die by the guns. Flying through this broken the sky. Going nowhere in a hurry. Vision blurry from the cold can lie. You're in my mind. I get lost at times, but then I'm fine. I'm yeah. really trying to with countless objects Yet, most of us watch the constant gossip and lies Sex, violence, and nonsense Sense of the truth with senseless news Renders the youth helpless, confused And subjected Work. to these ghettos and crews Rebels and goons Crimes of deadly levels and tools Grimy fools is robbing dudes With diamond pebbles and jewels Avenues to settlements For crackers peddled and moved Dwellers with metal building Devils sell the metal and crews Venom infused with nectar These denizens choose Either eloquent hues or blues Depending on who views the spectra In up pursuit of loot coops and extra It's never the roots texture, it's only the decadent fruit juice that gets ya, yo, to me it's all the same, cause life is beautiful before it's the pain, like a gorgeous orchid with an awkward frame, that shit is awesome but it's awfully strange, the way it offers blossoms that it brought with yo, rain, homie, you think about mind, that, I get lost sometimes, I fall in line with the stars in the dark, through my thoughts and rhymes, then I rise like the sun, full moon controls the top by the slums, for the flocks who live and die by the guns, flying through this broken sky, going nowhere in a hurry, vision blurry from the cold can lie, you in my mind, I get lost sometimes, but I'm fine. I'm really trying to leave it all behind. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying. Survive. <laughs> 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 